0: Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search.
1: Unless
2: something is done and done quickly.
1: Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown.
0: What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive.
2: In the last calm and reflective moment, before the monsters came from the deep
0: dive welcome to the podcast humanoids from the Deep dive where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies each episode will see guests and myself give our take on an important movie monster and/ or film and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore uh, today's episode is is pretty special because we're talking to someone who's given life on screen to some of our favorite creatures and has done everything from eli ross history of horror to godzilla king of the monsters of which i am a huge fan if you don't already know creature performer alan maxson
2: Woo! thanks jeff what an intro
0: (laughs) so happy to have you on you don't even know Fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Also follow us on Twitter at HFT Dive. I am your host, Jeff Ewing. I'm an entertainment contributor for Forbes, Looper, uh, Nightmare on Film Street, on everything genre film, with bylines and Shudders the Bite and all over the place. I've co-edited two books on Monster Media, Alien and Philosophy, Stranger Things and Philosophy, and I've written on everything from the devil to Cloverfield, Jurassic Park, Frankenstein, you name it. If it's about monsters, I love it. I've probably done something about it. Awesome. Uh, so, our, So for our guest today, uh, Alan Maxson is an accomplished creature performer, as I, as I noted, who recently has performed Conic Blade, Puppet Master Puppet, and Blade the Iron Cross, one of Ghidorah's heads in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and honestly,
2: tons more stuff. Uh, welcome, Alan. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. It's funny because you say uh, you're giving all these accolades to me, but actually what you just listed off about yourself, I'm sitting here going, wow, I want to read all of these things. Where can <laughs> I find all of this? You can find all of them
0: on uh, Barnes & Noble and yep. other booksellers like that. Done. <laughs> See, well, this, this, this is the whole gimmick of the show. I just bring on people who are awesome and then we all just sit around talking monsters and being awesome because we're all great.
2: I can't imagine a better <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of great uh i'd also like to give a shout out to our guest co-host mike vaughn founder of the video attic your source for reviews news and exclusive interviews thank Woo-hoo. you so much for stopping by again oh, mike. thanks
1: for having me as always
0: it's gonna be a blast uh we were just talking about this for the folks at home it's it's really important to me having a creature or monster centric podcast it's, it's important to me to kind of give a little bit of a spotlight to the people who create the costumes, the people who design the creatures in our, on our screen, the people who perform and embody all sorts of inhuman creatures because they're really what bring it to life and make it feel real. And one of the goals that I have for this show is to bring a lot more creature performers on. And I, I'm also a huge King of the Monsters fan, personally. I'm, I'm real nerdy
2: about it. <laughs> <So> it's <laughs> to hear you say that. You know, there's a lot of people with strong opinions about it and uh i love the movie too and i'm not just biased Mm -hmm. i'm a part of it but it's a good movie
0: it's a good movie and it really gave us what that genre to me at least what it's there for yeah you know absolutely you've performed a variety of different types of monsters in, in in your career even so far what inspired you to perform creatures for a living
2: Because it sounds like the greatest job on earth. And it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a performer in one way or another my whole life. And when I first moved to Los Angeles, I started uh, working behind the camera uh, on crew just to pay rent just to make money. Mm -hmm. And I got into post production, and I started editing uh, television shows and and whatnot. And at a certain point, I started thinking to myself, this is not what I came here to do is not what I want to do. I got to get back to my roots. And I did a lot of soul searching and just and trying to figure out what what is it that is in my roots that I want to do that I love to do? But is also, I had to think what's genuinely can make me money because you have to make a living. And, And I thought of many different options. And when I started getting into the thought of, okay, so my whole life I've been a performer. That's what makes me happy. Creating, performing, bringing things to life. I started going down that path and I thought to myself, but if I do this, I want it to be the dream of dreams. I don't want to half-ass it. I don't want to just take whatever random performing job I get. I want it to be the greatest goal I can think of. And Mm -hmm. that was being the monster because every movie I've ever loved has a a non-human character in it. If you look Mm -hmm. at my DVD and Blu-ray collection, the only movies that have a non human character, or that the only movies I own that are human only movies are Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> but other than that, every movie has something, whether it's an alien, a monster, a creature, or whatever. And I'm also a big action figure collector. And the same was my whole life growing up, even to current day. I rarely buy human characters. When I would buy mm-hmm. Star Wars figures, they were never Luke or Han. It was always characters from Jabba's palace,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and it, they're just they're the greatest characters in in all of our favorite movies. You know, you watch Predator, and you don't think. I mean, yes, sure, you think Arnold and Carl Weathers, but really, who is the first person you think of? It's the Predator.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: same with any other monster movie. It's not named Arnold and friends. Exactly. <laughs> And and same with all of the, the, you know, classic Boris and um, Bella Lugosi movies, you know, they're, they're the main character, you know, and uh, that's where I went. I said, I want to do that. I want to be the creature. And so I I started getting my, um, my training back up and getting back out there into auditions and, and telling everybody. I want to be the monster, I want to be the creature. And that way, when I was on set, or I was auditioning, or I was seeking out these roles, it wasn't, oh, who can you fit, it was me saying, I only really want to be involved if I'm the monster. And I started Mm -hmm. going down that path. And the snowball just kept rolling, people recommended me and, and my training got better. And I got I got better and more experienced and, and everything started adding up. And now that's what I'm known for. That's what I do. And I've been Professionally creature acting for probably, I think it's over nine years now. So, uh, you know, my goal that I was reaching for close to a decade ago worked. <laughs> That's so extremely cool.
0: That is like actually the coolest job that I can think of. Uh, right. My, uh, my career goal is to make monster movies. And I want to make more than monster movies, but I definitely want to create Creatures and make them on screen. Uh, So I'm glad to know you for other reasons, too. Yeah, not up and make one and and you
2: don't have to worry about who can I put in this suit?
0: Yeah, because that has to be right. You know, like you have to sell the nature of that entity on screen.
2: Yes, because I would say. Sixty five percent of my jobs, I'm cast a day or two after production started because they thought they could just put a PA or any random person in the suit and they found out they couldn't. And so they sought out someone who specializes in it because not only is it, you know, a performance thing, but it's a physical, it's a training, it's strength, it's balance, and it's claustrophobic. You have to know how to work in the suit. You have to know how to perform to your advantages and disadvantages of your physical what, what what you physically look like and move because of what you're wearing. And so mm-hmm. it's very important to make sure you choose the right person to play your monster.
0: Oh, totally. Uh, And I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's a, a couple of the things that I really want to talk about are, so how do you go about the process of embodying these creations and is your process a little different depending on the character
2: uh i go about it exactly the same way as any actor does even if it's for human characters is what's the character what's its motivation why is it doing this Mm -hmm. and i start with my thought process the, the mentality of that character because even if it's as something as simple as kids in a cabin in the woods and there's a monster trying to kill them all off. It's not that simple because I think to myself, well, why is he doing this? Is he hunting? Is it revenge? Is it a curse? Is he hungry? All of those factors determine how I attack somebody, how I kill them, how I rip them apart, Mm -hmm. how quickly I move on to my next victim, how invested the monster is in continuing or not continuing to pull the intestines out of that guy because if i'm hungry that monster isn't going to just leave the body there with all the intestines sitting out to rot Mm -hmm. if he's about revenge and these kids all did something to him he's gonna leave the body there and maybe even play with it maybe maybe torture a little a little bit more and make the person scream more than normal rather than just Quick one and done, kill them so you can feast. There's many different mentalities about it, which then also in tune play with my movement choices, whether it be how I run, how my, my arms and hands move, how my head snaps when looking. Mm-hmm. All of these factors come into play based on those options because of the the mentality of what that monster is thinking. Even if it doesn't speak English... Think about every animal on this planet, your cat. We talked about cats before this interview and they have thought processes. You know, we joked that my cat is trying to climb in the fireplace because she wants my attention. She wants me to wake up and come grab her. And if her intentions were to escape, she wouldn't be walking slowly and looking at me at the same time. She'd be rushing and climbing and trying to go straight up there but mm-hmm. that's not her intention. So it's the same as animals in real life is they have thought processes and intentions and reasons behind their choices.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it kind of reminds me of recently we brought on the director and writer of the movie exists to uh, Eduardo Sanchez and Jamie Nash to talk Bigfoot. And in their film, the motivations of Bigfoot uh not to spoil the ending, but it's revenge, right? Right. Uh, Bigfoot is attacking because of getting revenge, which is, produces, like you're saying, a fundamentally different set of behavior than if it were just mindless aggression or if it were self-defense. Like all of those actions and behaviors and and the physicality are would all be different.
2: Yes, and also, you know, t- unless it's different in this particular movie, but Bigfoot is known for being on its own it doesn't want to be found it's trying to just be peaceful in its own world and avoid humanity mm-hmm. so it would make more sense that there's a reason he's coming out to kill these mm-hmm. people you know it's it's bigfoots are i i believe they're typically uh not looking to eat humans <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh what uh do you you've, you've performed so many different characters do you have any favorites that you that you
2: just really connected with <laughs> um all of them are fun for mm-hmm. different reasons i think the more comedic ones are are some of my favorite and that also goes to you know my my favorite movies i love to watch the more comedic monster movies are, are my favorite, like Nightmare on Elm Streets, and uh, Gremlins and Tremors, things like that, where you have fun while watching it. And mm-hmm. so you know, there's one, one commercial I did for um, a coffee brand, and I was a Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch <laughs> wakes up in the morning and gets frustrated at his terrible coffee pot. So he smashes it and throws a tantrum but then he gets this nice new coffee pot that we're advertising and he's calm and he's reading the paper and, and life is good. And so it was funny, but I also got to smash things and have a good time. And, and that, that was a great role. And I I would love to do more stuff like that. And, And, and so characters that have a little bit of uh nods and smiles and winks at the audience tend to be my favorite just because you get to play more
0: yeah that sounds fun and also on the coffee thing we've all been there (laughs) (laughs)
2: like
0: why is the coffee pot (laughs) happening it's
2: true um but then there's uh, ones too you know you mentioned Godzilla um playing King Ghidorah was a dang dream come true and you know it, it that definitely changed my my life probably i'm guessing for the rest of my life i will always hear about king Ghidorah, and so there's certain things like that that i'll never forget and just the memories of it, it was such a fantastic production and an h- amazing experience between the world premiere at the graman and and uh doing the convention circuits for almost a whole year afterwards it was it was quite amazing and so things like that bring whole different aspect of fan favorites for me you know it's that was such a huge huge ordeal and so all i love all the characters i've played for very different reasons and there's even the complete opposite you know i've played uh the ginger dead man's mouth for uh, (laughs) full moon which is a, a silly thing to say but it's hilarious now because I get so many people that just laugh at me for it and like poke fun at me. And it's a great time because like, yeah, I get it. I'm just the mouth. <laughs> it needs it though. It's true. It's true. So
1: how, how do you find your experience with full moon? Cause I know you've done, um, you know, blade, but then you've also um, you have some upcoming movies for them or some pretty recent.
2: Yeah, I I like working with Full Moon. Um they're a fantastic group of people. They're all very kind uh and they all just love to to make movies and be wacky. You know, a lot of Full Moon stuff um exploits things. There's a lot of nudity and foul language and just ridiculousness that happens, but it's very respectful on set. Everybody wants to make sure everyone feels safe and fun and And no one is offended or hurt. And so it's a great team you know we have uh, Brooks Davis who works on every movie, John Lachago um, and then we have you know Tom Devlin's team with 1313 with Chris and Walid and all those guys. it's they're just so fun to work with and, and we bring everybody on for every movie because it's like this little little family and uh, and everyone who works on it is a fan of full moon stuff so example you talked about blade everybody who worked on that movie is a fan of puppet master it's hard not to be those movies are fantastic and when i got the phone call from john Lachago, the director he's like yeah tom uh he's he gave me the idea he said we should put you in the blade suit and i was like oh my god yes without question (laughs) one of my earliest memories was watching those movies growing up on sci-fi channel and that was, for you little kitties out there, that was before it was S-Y-F-Y. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's like we're just all fans of it. And so we have fun. And, and you know, the budgets have gotten extremely small compared to the, you know, the original Puppet Master films. Those were much bigger budgets. So we have a lot more restrictions and more things we have to work with. So I think a lot of people find that charming. You know, you see a lot of comments online. People find it not charming, but you you have what you have. And that, that's it's you make the movie with what you got. And and uh, we're just all grateful that Charlie Band is still making these movies and, and giving us some time to play and have fun.
1: So now with like Blade, um, your performance, do you feel like um, did you kind of study the previous films or did you kind of bring your own? interpretation to the character
2: definitely studied them so i'm very familiar with them already but what i did was i watched mainly the first six because those did not have suit performers those were all puppets and stop motion animation so i watched those because they're the they're the heart they're the originals that everybody loves and i Mm -hmm. i thought we should have my movement match the stop motion animation because that's what they intercut with the puppets in those films. Some of the later ones did have people in suits um, intercutting with the puppets. And I don't know if they necessarily looked the way that the audience wanted it to. And so I talked with the director and we talked about shooting potentially in a different frame rate even, and having me walk either slower or faster, depending on what was needed for the scene and give it a look that would look more matching of the stop motion. Um, hmm. And so it was a lot of playing with that. And and then in the end uh, it comes down to just technically what they need to fill in the gaps. All the stuff that I did in the suit was anything where you see like full body stuff, like running, jumping, stabbing, things that, mm-hmm that are harder to do with a puppet.
0: Totally. Uh, so interesting to me. Um, so w- when you have played, uh, I guess
2: you only played the, the mouth for the
0: d- ginger dead man.
2: Um, well, so it- uh, not necessarily anymore. If people have been keeping up with the most recent ones, I don't want to spoil anything, but, um, Ooh. but there <laughs> is more to me than just a mouth now. <laughs> That's what I like to
0: hear. Although as far as the, the listeners at home are concerned, I'm only a voice that is disembodied. And in the, 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 the <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Well, the first <laughs> few times I played the ginger dead man's mouth, it's funny because it takes three people to bring that puppet to life is you have the puppeteer, which is usually uh, Tom Devlin or one of his crew because they sculpted the most recent puppets. Um, and then you have the actor who plays the voice and then you have me who plays the mouth. And it's so funny to have three people being involved to just make this character come to life. And it's so silly and wacky, but it's fun and and it works.
0: Absolutely. Um, what are the things that, cause I, I know we don't have you forever, unfortunately, um, because
2: because oh, i'm I'm
0: really enjoying talking to you, so uh this would go as long as I wanted um but i I also want to ask uh on on Godora it's uh I remember initially because uh, i'm I'm very nerdy and this is gonna be a surprise to everyone and i I read about a whole bunch of the 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 production and the writing and everything, and I remember reading. That the three different heads had distinct personalities and, and, and what have you. And I thought that was such an, uh, an excellent attention to detail in the filmmaking. Um, what was the, the, the process like of, of performing that character?
2: Absolutely. Um, I agree. I think it was very wise of Mike. Um, he, you could not have chose a better director for that film. He is, he's like the Dave Filoni of Star Wars. He, mm-hmm. the only other person that you could have gotten better would be the original Godzilla writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knows that world so well. And he's the biggest fan and he wanted to do it justice. And I think he did. He, he had the heart of Godzilla and what that universe is. And I think it was very smart to give each head a different personality. Mm-hmm. And when I first met with him about potentially bringing on, bringing to life one of the heads, was he told me the reason he was interested in having me play one is because of my practical suit experience. He wanted someone who's a suit performer as the heart of the motion capture,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and luckily, he got three people that had that same thing. Uh, Both Richard Dorton and Jason Lyles also have done suit work. Uh, The two of them do more motion capture than suit. And I think I do more suit than motion capture, but the three of us combined had both of those qualities and it allowed us to interact when we were on set, uh, when we were battling Godzilla, you know, before, before attacking uh, Jason, who is supposed to be the alpha would nod and signal to us that Mm -hmm. it's time to attack and i would look at him pissed off and be like yeah i already made my decision i've been ready to attack godzilla this whole damn time like finally dude and uh it it was just a cool mentality of i'm i'm angry i'm upset i'm attached to him but we still have to work together he's in charge he's the tallest one he makes the, sh- he calls the shots. And then Richard is more curious and uh, obeys and takes commands. And so it was cool to have those personalities because when I saw the final movie, I wasn't sure how much of our facial performance you would actually see in the movie. But when I watched it, I remember moments going, Whoa, that is totally a face I make. Mm-hmm. I know that face. And so it was very cool to to see that we were used and, 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 and our choices for our characters actually came through on screen. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: it, it, it's so interesting to me too because you can absolutely see those personality distinctions. And part of the things that amazes me is, is that it's an inhuman face. Yes. And so they managed to to shape a lot of emotion and a lot of yes relatable characteristics in something that's beyond our comprehension.
2: And that's big props to the, the animators and CG artists because, you know, even though we did motion capture for it, they deserve so much credit. And it's like, it's a team effort. You know, I, I imagine they probably did, I can't even imagine how many hours of work, months, months of work. You know, we did our mocamp probably a year before the film came out. So I guess they probably did 12 months of work. And you saw the list of names on that credit. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people.
0: It's, it's a literal town. Yes. Um yes. yeah, they did such a good job. Uh, I I also want to ask you, um, while we have you, tell me about your work on history of horror. I'm a huge fan of that show. We met through someone that's one of the producers. Uh, History of Horror is such ben. a great show. Ben. Shout out to Ben. 100%.
2: Um, History of Horror is a very fun show that I got to actually have two roles in. Um, my favorite role that you can see is in the intro of every episode, you see me as a zombie snapping at the camera. And. Mm-hmm. I also edited three episodes of that show. Um, I'm trying to recall because we're on season three now, so it's been a while. But one of the episodes I edited was uh, Slasher's Part 2. I don't remember which part, random parts. uh, But then in the Monsters episode, I distinctly remember editing the intro to that. Uh, That one was a fun one.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
2: because i remember i remember putting in uh michael Daugherty and uh doug jones as much as i could i was like they're my homies i gotta put them in as much (laughs) as i can Mm -hmm. um and i i do also remember here's a fun little note for you because you're a big godzilla fan is mike's uh lower third in that episode originally uh, listed him under krampus because godzilla was not out yet Uh uh-huh But I changed it because I was like, no, Godzilla is going to be huge. And I changed it to Godzilla (laughs) King of the Monsters and that ended up airing that way. Smart move. Um, Oh, and a fun tidbit is in the intro, when you see me snap at the camera, we actually had... They filmed all those parts because there's like a vampire, a guy with a chainsaw, Mm -hmm. myself, and... um, they had shipped that footage off to a company to cut together that intro with all the effects and stuff. And when we got it back, that company had sound effects for certain stuff. But I noticed the one sound effect that was not there was there was nothing for my zombie. And I was editing the show still. So in my edit bay, I pulled out a microphone. And right there in the office, I just went (laughs) <laughs> and I put that in the episode and now it's in every That's episode. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it.
0: Uh I've had to do that on episodes of this show where I'm like, "Oh, I said something and I slurred that nonsense together." <laughs> and then I just re-recorded. Totally have done that. But nothing is cool as zombie growls. Yeah.
2: Well, it's just fun because you know, I I, I do edit on the side when I'm not acting. Uh, Uh, I do too, by the way, so. Oh, awesome, nice, Uh, awesome, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know, Um, yes. But that's the bonus, is if you somehow, this might be the only time I've ever had this, but if you're editing something you're also in, you have the power to do little things like that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, no, totally. Other than my
2: own films that I've directed, I think that's the only thing I've edited that I was hired on as an actor too.
0: That's cool though. I imagine it would be very surreal, but you do get a lot of power to shape how your performance is seen, which is really cool.
2: Yeah. Particularly not in that one because it it was just the intro. Of uh-huh. course. But you know, something like uh, one of the films I directed was Patina. I wrote, directed that and starred in it. And that was very cool to edit myself because sometimes when you are a filmmaker and an actor and you see other filmmakers choices for how they edited your performances, sometimes you critique it and you, and you're like, man, I would have, I would have cut around that or I would have used something else differently. So it, it, on Patina, it was really cool to pick and choose and be like, Oh yeah, I can make myself the best I can be in this performance.
0: Absolutely. Um, I bet you, that, that sounds so empowering. I love it. Uh, uh, I, I know we don't have you for very much longer. Um, Mike, is there any final thing that you wanted to to ask?
1: Um, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of like, um, this is probably a good uh, segue into um, your voice acting, which I think that also has to be a pretty interesting, um, line of work. I mean, do you, do you you get as equally excited about that as like a creature performance or? Is
2: Absolutely, it... yeah. I like voice acting; it's super fun. Um, a lot of the work I've done for voice is dubbing. Actually, I've done a handful of foreign films for Netflix where I cool. do the English voices. Uh, those are fun because you get to match what you think the character would sound like in English. Cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, but I've also done a handful of cool things. You know, I narrated a Crypt TV short, like, cartoon thing, and that was super fun. And uh, I voiced uh, the Crypt Keeper animatronic at uh, Tom Devlin's Monster Museum in Vegas. That's so cool. Oh, nice.
1: Can you give yeah. us a, a little sample of that?
2: <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that, is you everyone knows his voice, and mm-hmm. he has that laugh. You know, he's... <laughs> good night kitties that laugh in order to hit that pitch i have to get really loud and i recorded that in my closet while my wife was in the shower (laughs) And, and i was trying to get it so perfect because you know this is at a live animatronic. People going to this monster museum are going to hear that when they walk in. It's it's basically uh, the intro. When you walk in, you give your ticket to the crypt keeper, and, and he gives the rules like no flash photography and <laughs> <kind of laughs> stuff. And so I wanted it to be perfect, and she came out of the shower, and she goes what the heck are you doing? I like, <laughs> are you laughing so loud. <laughs> um, but that was fun. And so, yeah, I, I get to be uh, creative with the voice stuff. The thing that's fun with the voice is it's, it's almost like you get to be, it's the same as creature acting. You get to be a very different character than what you are in real life. When I'm cast as a human character, I'm only cast for somebody that looks like me and on screen a lot of those characters have a very particular personality and it's not as fun it's not as fun to play as the wild ones you can either in a creature suit or voiceover and stuff like that so i fully enjoy doing that
0: that's awesome um well i i know you have a hard out so that's i think a perfect note to end on
2: i have one more note can i
0: plug okay of course you can
2: awesome um I spoke earlier that I have directed a couple films. I have a new film that I wrote and I'm currently directing as well. And it's called Alien Planet. And I, I filmed a spec trailer for it. So anybody who wants to see it, um, go to AlienPlanetFilm.com or you can go to Indiegogo and search Alien Planet. And the spec trailer is fantastic. We spent a lot of time and a lot of money to make this thing look awesome. And it's basically an homage to classic science fiction films. Uh films like Enemy Mine and Alien Nation and things that basically have aliens, but it's really about humans and how prejudices and, hmm. and bigotry exist. And it's hidden within a sci-fi adventure with, with blood and monsters. And That sounds then, awesome. It is. I'm very excited about it. And, and this movie is going to be so good. We start filming it this fall and our Indiegogo is still alive. So if anybody wants to help make this movie even better, uh, Every Penny Counts. And i would love a contribution from anyone who's interested we have super uh cheap perks for you to become a producer on imdb and on screen to get the movie on blu-ray shirts pins all those things and uh and oh there's another one you talked about voice i also have a perk where people can actually pay to voice and narrate the trailer and that way they get to keep the trailer <laughs> for their demo reel on oh, nice. social uh, media, whatever oh, they need to cool. help them get, get another job. Um, but, but yes. So um, that's my plug is, is alien planet is currently on Indiegogo and I would love anyone who's interested. Uh, I would love your help. So, cause as okay. we all know, independent films, uh, money doesn't go far and we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, uh, that's awesome.
0: Uh, please send the link to the Indiegogo to me, too, in, in email so that I can send it out.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely um, – I found you on Twitter, so I will definitely retweet that. Um, awesome. And mm-hmm. if you want to check out some of my stuff.
2: Uh, I'll follow you back.
1: Sounds good. Perfect. And
0: speaking of your stuff, uh, Mike, please tell the the audience other than here where they can find you.
1: So I am on Twitter at strange cinema 65 and, um, just as a little plug, um, my book is on Amazon. That is the ultimate guide to strange cinema, um, oh. by, by Schiffer and, uh, yeah. And I'll, of course, uh, the video addict, which is video um, where I, Updated daily with, uh, reviews, uh, sometimes some pretty cool interviews, um, all kinds of good stuff.
0: Once more, I'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening from the dawn of record human civilization. We've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization, the need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive.